many, many years ago, I, I was a school teacher and a school administrator. And one of the things that comes with that job that was not very pleasant and that you might not think about was fundraising. And especially the school fundraiser. And you probably thought that fundraisers are just miserable for the parents and for the kids that we send out to sell like a zillion candy bars. But they're really not that fun for the teachers and especially for the administrators that are trying to raise the money through it. And we stumbled across this fundraiser that I actually like. And maybe you've seen this. Reader's Digest did it. And the deal was you could go sell magazine subscriptions. And they, and whatever magazines or magazine subscriptions you sold, you got like 40% of the profit back. Well, most people, that was back in the day when we still had like print media. And most people took, uh, magazine subscriptions. And so it was a pretty good deal. And if you, you know, bought three magazines, you probably spent $75, $80 for the year. And you could actually make as much as selling three magazine subscriptions. It's like selling 60 candy bars. And so I was all into this. And so I said, Hey kids, let's go, you know, let's go sell magazine subscriptions. And, you know, they get prizes and all the little incentives that you have from, from fundraisers like that. But at that point, I didn't even have any kids. And it would be about a week into this fundraiser when some kid would finally dawn on him like, oh, you know what, I should probably ask him if he'd like to buy any magazine subscriptions. And so about a week into it, some kid would finally come up and say, Mr. Wood, would you like to buy some magazine subscriptions? And I'd be like, sure, I'll buy you uh, some magazine subscriptions from you. And so I would always buy the same three every year. I would buy uh, a um, 12 issues of Sports Spectrum magazine. I don't even know if they still put this one out. It uh, was stories of, of Christian athletes, both in pro, uh, pro and college ranks, and some really interesting reads, and I love that magazine, so I would buy that. And I would buy Reader's Digest, too. You know, We're going to support the company that we're working with. And then I would buy Guidepost magazines. Do they still put out Guideposts? Some of you get Guidepost magazines, and I like to read guideposts. I mean, it has all these nice little human interest stories and in, uh, inspirational stories. And it's a bit of a feel-good uh, periodical there. But there would always be the story in Guidepost magazine about the person who gets himself in this horrible predicament and where he has to make this crazy prayer. Now, God, if you save me, I'll give my rest of my life to feeding the poor and, and and you know, way off, far off countries, and God comes sweeping in at the last minute and rescues this person. And every month there's at least one of those articles in there where somebody makes this desperation prayer. But maybe you've made a prayer like that too. And we've all been in those situations and we've all heard these stories where people pray, you know, the, the alligators got you treed or the ladder fell and you've been hanging for the roof now from two hours and nobody's heard you yet and you, you finally break down and decide to pray about it. Or you take the boat out in Lake Michigan and a storm comes up and, and the motor falls off the boat or whatever like that. Or you forget to study for the test just to make it really practical. But we have these desperation prayers, our prayers of last resort. I've tried everything else. I'm in this horrible predicament. I, somebody's got to do something to help me. And then we think, oh, maybe I should pray. And then we try to sweeten the pot a little bit. Okay, God, I really need you to save me. And if you do, and we have some, ever, you know, some deal that goes with that. But these emergency prayers or these desperation prayers or, or these bat phone prayers that we make sometime, they become our go-to prayers when everything else fails. But in the process, if that's the only prayer that we ever pray, we really miss out 
and what God wants to give us when we talk about prayer. But sometimes we pray these prayers, and sometimes we just treat prayer itself like this thing we only pull out of the closet and use if we really, really need it. But for the most part, we just go through our lives just doing whatever we've been doing, and we just ignore prayer a little bit. And we even do that even as Christ followers, sadly enough. And maybe we do that because we've prayed before and we've been disappointed with the answers that we've gotten. And it's like, you know what? I'd rather just not pray than be disappointed and not having my prayers answered. And maybe you've prayed one of these desperation prayers before and God didn't come through for you. And so you're still a little bit miffed about it. Or maybe it's because prayer feels unnatural to us. And when we talk about prayer, we just don't feel all that confident. Like, am I doing this right? And I'm not sure that I am because... I'm not seeing a whole lot of response to this. Or maybe sometimes we feel guilty in praying. And like, I should really pray about that, but I really made my own mess here, and so I hate to show up to God and say, you know, God, I kind of made a mess, and could you do it? That just doesn't sound right. And so we feel a little bit guilty about it. Or maybe we're just kind of like, well, you know what, I can handle that. And I'm only going to ask God to handle the really big things in my life. Because, you know, he's got a lot to take care of in the world here. And so I'll just take care of the little things, and and I can pretty much cover those. And so the only time we ever do go to God is because we get something that's outside of our control. But most of us, the reason that we don't pray and make the most of prayer is because we just don't think about it. We're off doing our own thing and going our own way, and we've got our own agenda and and uh, we're busy, and you know we've got work, and we've got school, and we've got home, and we got all these different things, and we just don't give it much thought. But what I want to encourage us with today is, you know what? You can pray a desperation prayer, and that's fine, or you can just pray a simple prayer that's maybe not desperation, but it's still an acknowledgement that God's a part of your life. But whatever we pray, it all takes us to this point, though where we have to move past ourselves. And ultimately, prayer is an admission by me that it's not about me. And it's an admission by me that I can't handle it all. And it's an admission by me that I don't really know what's best. And it's an admission by me that, you know what, it's not what I want, but what God wants. And that's what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Not say these words, but pray this way. This is how you should pray. But he says in the Lord's Prayer, I want you to go down a different path from what most people go down when they pray. And most of us, even if it's not a desperation prayer, a 911 prayer, most of us still, the path that we go down is a me prayer. Okay, God, help me to uh, do well at work today. Okay, God, please take care of my kids. That's kind of a me prayer too. Okay, God, I've got this bill coming up. Could you please take care of this bill for me or help me, you know, do better with my money? And if we listen to our prayers, we, we hit the, you know, the pronouns I, me, my in there about 80% of the time it feels like. And Jesus says, you know what, when you pray, I want you to pray a different way. In fact, here's the pattern Here's the template for you to follow. And if we follow this template, we realize that we're halfway through this prayer before we even shift the prayers for ourselves. In fact, we start out praying these prayers that we've been calling for the the last two weeks, God prayers and God requests. 
And it's not that we're praying for God. It's that we're praying in such a way that we get ourselves lined up and focused on God. And so this morning we get to the third of these three God requests. So let's go back and look at the Lord's Prayer again, and we're studying it from Matthew chapter 6. But it says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or we could say, let your name be revered or praised or honored or glorified. And that's the first God request. And it's not that we're asking the world to honor God. It's that we're coming to the place in our stories where we'd stop and stop looking at ourselves and look up and say, oh, God, you're great. Your name is awesome and worthy of praise and worship and glory, and I'm going to give it to you. Then we go on in verse number 10, and let your kingdom come. And we talked about that last week. And what that, or excuse me, uh, yes, let your kingdom come. We talked about last week and what that means. The kingdom came in Christ. The kingdom was one, if you want to say it that way, at the crucifixion and resurrection. The kingdom is coming in Christ, but the kingdom is still here. And we're still supposed to be growing in our relationship to God, but we're also supposed to be reflecting God and living God out into our communities. That's God's kingdom come. And then we get to the third request, and it's this. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me finish by reading the rest of the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts if we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And these three requests are to help us to understand the true nature and the true purpose of prayer. And they help us by shifting our attention from me to God and from changing my perspective from getting what I want to asking God what he wants. And what it actually does is it takes us down a different path in prayer. And the path that you choose to take determines the destination where you end up. And sometimes I think we are frustrated by prayer because we didn't go down the right path in prayer. And so as Jesus shares with us, Here's how to pray. I want to look at the last of these God repressed this morning and say, where does this take us? But first of all, just a quick review of what we talked about so far. The prayer, may your name be revered. The point is to focus us on the person of God. So more important than rattling off my list is that I take time to think about who God is. May your kingdom come. That is to focus us on the plan of God or the program of God. This is what God's up to in the world. And we're praying that we be cognizant of it and be a part of what God's up to, the plan of God in this world. And then when we get to this last one, may your will be done. We are focusing on the purpose and the purposes of God and what he wants and what he desires. Now, the phrase in this prayer is, your will be done. And I want to explore three things this morning. What exactly are we talking about when we say God's will? May your will be done. What are we talking about when we talk about the will of God? Secondly, what exactly are we praying when we say, may your will be done? 
And thirdly, do we have any idea what this prayer actually looks like so that we can copy it? And the goal of all of this is so that we can get better at prayer and so that our prayers themselves can actually be better. And so we go to the Lord's Prayer and we get to that phrase in verse number 10 of Matthew chapter 6, your will be done. What exactly is the will of God? And this is a concept that I think is misunderstood and misrepresented. It's definitely a Bible concept. Jesus said this in Mark 3.35, For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister. John 9.31, Jesus said this, If anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Paul writes this in Romans 12.2, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind by testing that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. First John 2.17, And the world is passing away with all its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Jesus said this in John 34 about the woman at the well. He said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And so this will of God, we talk about it a lot in church and Christian concepts, it's a Bible concept. But what does it mean exactly? And I think oftentimes we get this concept confused. And I relate this to my growing up years because I grew up in a church where we talked about the will of God a lot and we needed to know the will of God. And I went to a Christian school and and people would come to chapel and one of the favorite things that they would talk about in chapel is how you can know the will of God for your life. And here's what they usually meant. Here's how you can know where you're supposed to go to college, and here's how you uh, here's how you can know what you're supposed to study, because this is all will of God issues, right? And then you need to know what job to take, and where you're going to live, and who you're going to marry, and what you're going to name your kids, and what car you should drive, and whether you should have Fritos or Bugles in your lunch. And we would get to all these different things, the will of God. You have to figure out what God's will is for your life. And so we would stand there, 16 and 17-year-olds, going... What if I mess it up? What if I go to the wrong university? You know, what if I marry the wrong girl? Think about the implications of that. If I marry her when I'm supposed to marry her, well, that means whoever she marries, she's marrying the wrong person too. And he's marrying the wrong person. And I mean, I, I can really just mess up the whole world if I choose the wrong person here. And we lived with this concept of the will of God was this narrow little idea here that I have to do it and I have to get it exactly right. And just to make it even harder, it's kind of hard to figure out. And so, you know, it's kind of like this cat and mouse game with God. And if I mess it up, then I just blow it forever. And then we move out of the perfect will of God. And then we move into the permissive will of God, right? Now, the will of God thing is in the Bible. That permissive will of God thing, I'm not aware of where that is. But I think we've got this concept wrong, and it's not to say that choices don't have consequences. It's to say that we're missing the idea of what the will of God is. And we can go back to Genesis 
And look at what the will of God is when he put Adam and Eve in the garden. What did he say? One of the first words that God said to Adam and Eve in the garden was what? You are free to eat of any tree. And with my construct growing up with the will of God, it would have been like God putting me in the garden and saying, see all these trees here? You only get one. I hope you figure it out, buddy. And when we go back to the Garden of Eden, God says, see all these trees? There's only one you can't touch here. Actually, you can touch it. You can't eat, right? And so there's a wideness to God's will that we miss out on sometimes. And I think we get all worried about staying on this path, and I don't think it's necessarily a path. Now, obviously, choices take us down paths, so our choices are important, but our choices, there may be more latitude to it than what we actually realized. See, it's not that hard to know what God's will is. He tells us in verses like 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In 1 Peter 2.15, Peter writes this, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. You want to know what God's will is? Do good. You want to know what God's will is? Give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. You want to know what God's will is? That you live a pure life. That you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That you love your neighbor as yourself. That you seek the kingdom of God. That you be kind. That you forgive. That you offer grace. That you live with generosity. It's not some big mystery that you have to figure out. You're not on some big treasure hunt. With God's trying to make the clues as hard as he can. It's simply doing what God wants us to do in our everyday lives and making choices that give preference to Him and to His purposes. So we can say it this way. The will of God is not so much a path that you take, but a person that you follow. And the will of God is that you put Christ first in your life and you follow Him. And in that there is freedom Not to do what we want, but to do what honors Him. But in the process of doing what honors Him, we have a lot of latitude in doing and and making choices for ourselves. There's just one stipulation. And that stipulation is this. You can't choose what you want over what God wants. That's what the tree was about in the Garden of Eden. Hey, you, you have all these options. There's just one thing here. Don't put yourself ahead of me. I say don't eat of that. And the issue is not the tree. The issue is that I said it. And so in our lives, we have lots of options that are all within the will of God. But he still says, hey, but those options need to come under this umbrella here that you choose what honors me and go from there. So that's what God's will is. It's every day making choices that line up with God and with who He is, and then offering prayers that do the same. And so when I come to God in prayer, I can pray about a lot of things, 
But if I'm going to pray, let your will be done, I am saying with those prayers, but God, I want to honor you first. So what I'm praying about right now, at the end of the day, I want it to be certain that this is honoring you and not just all about me and maybe even the desperate situation that I've gotten myself into. So what does this prayer mean exactly? Let your will be done. It doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we're praying for God's plan to happen. We're not praying, okay, God, let your plan play out, let your purposes play out here, and God's waiting for our prayers to kind of unlock that. God's going to do what God's going to do. Now, it's a little bit of saying in my life, okay, God, I'm unlocking it, so I'm allowing you in, in, in to work in my life. But it's not where we're trying to get God to do what God needs to do, and we're like, you know, filling up the power meter for God. You know, if we all pray this enough, then God can do more in the, in the world here. God's going to do what he's going to do. So it doesn't mean that. And it doesn't mean that we're just supposed to passively resign ourselves to some version of fatalism, which says, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. And so, in fact, I'm not even going to pray because God's just up to whatever God's going to do. And, and that's not really necessary. That's not the point of it either. But here's what the point of it is. Let me give you four ideas of what we're praying when we pray, let your will be done, that I think will be helpful in keeping us on the right path when it comes to prayer. First of all, it's this. I am acknowledging that there is a bigger God than who I am. That his desires and purposes are more important than mine. And it's awareness when I pray that there's something bigger going on here than just what's going on in my story. And in my life. And so when I pray, let your will be done, I could say, here God is my need, but I realize that there's more to this story than just what I'm dealing with. And so what I am doing is I am acknowledging that there is a bigger story and that God does have bigger purposes and that I want those purposes to happen because at the end of the day, that's going to be better for me anyhow. So it's an awareness that the story is bigger than me, but it's an assurance also that God, as the author of the story, is writing it well, and it will work out well. And that should actually help me relax. I don't have to figure it all out. I don't even have to get it all right when I pray. You ever worry about that? Am I praying the right thing here? When I say, your will be done, I say, God, you're bigger. This is the request that I'm bringing, but I'm bringing it in perspective here. And I acknowledge that your purposes are bigger than mine, and I am acknowledging not only that they're bigger than mine, but they're better than mine. Adrian Rogers said it this way, the will of God is what you'd want if you could see everything from God's perspective. The will of God is what you would want if you could see everything from God's perspective. And so when I pray... It's saying, God, you're bigger than I am. Your purposes are bigger, but you know better. And so when I pray here, this is what I think I want. But I'm willing to step back and say, you do what you want, because I know that when you do what you want, it's going to be better than what I want. And so I can find some assurance in that by saying, okay, God, really it's up to you. And it is, right? But it's important that we come to that point of acceptance. Secondly, it's this. I am seeking to align my desires with God. So it's not just that I come and pray and say, okay, God, this is what I want. But whatever you want, that's okay with me. 
What I'm actually trying to do is to say, God, this is what I want, but what do you want? Because really, I just want to want what you want. And sometimes we're so busy about what we want that we don't stop to consider this. And it's moving us in this direction where we tried to get the mind and the heart of God. You know, back a couple of years ago, uh, Kelly and I in the bank bought a house. <laughs> and it's really nice that just Kelly and I live there. The bank never shows up, and I'm grateful for that. But we had a lot of fixing up and, and, and renovating to do in that house and just, just to bring it up to date. But we would talk about different things. You know, we have to put carpet down here. What kind of carpet do we want? What color do we want? And we would go back and forth and back and forth. Well, what do you like? 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 And then we finally decide on something and we put it in and hope that we were close. But this is what we're talking about in this prayer. Okay, God, here's, here's what I'm praying, but, but what are you thinking? Because it's not about me getting what I want. It's about, it's about me wanting what you want because I know what you want is going to be better than what I want. So help me to line up with that. Help me to want what you want, even if it doesn't change my circumstance. Because if I, because in what you want, the change is still going to be positive, even if it's just in me. And when I pray, not my will, but yours be done, as Jesus said, or if we pray it this way, let your will be done. What are we saying? God, I want you to change me. Move me from where I'm making this request to who you want me to be. That's what it means to pray your will be done. Thirdly, it means this. I am making myself available to do whatever God wants. And so this phrase here is, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever notice this? That when God enacts his purposes on earth, that it's usually human beings who carry them out. And so when we pray, let your will be done, what we're actually saying is, God, whatever you want to do in this situation, I want to be available to you to do whatever part I need to do in making it happen. It's If I'm going to pray this prayer, there needs to be a willingness on my part to be part of the answer to this prayer. And our actions need to be in alignment with our prayer. So if I'm praying that God meets my financial needs, then... I need to align that by honoring God with my financial resources. And if if I'm going to pray that God meets my relational needs, then I need to follow along by practicing things like grace and forgiveness and kindness and gentleness. And so what I'm praying over here, I'm acting on over here, that's let your will be done. I'm praying it. But I'm not just leaving it here. And it's not that I'm trying to make it work out my own way. It's that I'm trying to do everything I know to do that's in congruency with what I'm asking over here. Help me to live according to what you want and help me to live in accord with what I actually am asking here. So if there's a step of obedience that's attached to the prayer, I'm committing to take it. And then it means this. I am expecting God to honor his name, his character, his promises. And by praying that your will be done, I am actually holding God 
to the promises that he makes. In other words, God, I'm taking a step of action here. I'm even praying a prayer here, whatever, all, all these pieces of it. But I'm doing this because I believe in who you are, what you say about yourself, what your word says, the promises that you've made. And so by praying, let your will be done, I am actually expressing my faith. And I'm going to put it all on the line. And God, you're going to have to come through or else this boat's going under. I'm going to fall off the roof and the alligator's going to get me. See, the greatest part of God's will is that we grow in faith. And when we say, let your will be done, what we're basically saying is, God, I'm bringing this request. I want it to line up with you. I'll take these steps of action. But at the end of the day, make me who you want me to be. In this situation that I'm going through right now, use that in my story to become more like Jesus. That's what it means to pray, your will be done. So we call it a God request, but it's really a request for us, isn't it? To get our hearts and our heads and our lives and our wills and our desires and all these things about us synced up with God's, who He is and what He wants. So what exactly is the will of God? Well, it's doing what honors God. What does it mean to pray, let your will be done? It means to say, God, whatever you want is what I want. Now, it may be that God gives us options here, right? That's fine. But it moves us in a different direction, though, when we are seeking out the heart of God. And the third question I raised at the beginning is, what does this prayer look like? Well, we actually have an example of this prayer In Luke chapter 22, and it shows up in the various Gospels, but it says this in verse number 41, He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and He knelt down and He prayed, Father, if You are willing, take this cup from Me. Yet not My will, but Yours be done. Isn't that interesting? Jesus made a prayer request there that didn't get answered. But it didn't get answered not because God didn't care about him. It didn't get answered because it didn't line up with what God's plan was at that moment. But isn't it interesting that there's no rebuke for the prayer? It's not like God's like, oh, you shouldn't be praying that, Jesus. In fact, we had this all set up before you went down there, what was going to happen. Why are you praying that right now? Not at all. It was Jesus trying to get his heart lined up with the Father's and realizing that what he was about to face was horrible and awful, and the cross was a horrible, awful thing. And realizing it was coming and saying, okay, God, you know, here's where I am. But help me to be where you are. And sometimes we come with our requests. I would say this, don't be worried so much about your requests as you are about the heart that you come with. You're like, I'm afraid I'm praying the wrong thing or I'm asking for the wrong thing or being too selfish or whatever. Like, I wouldn't worry too much about that. As long as you... Keep in mind that we are praying, let your will be done. And to say, God, this is what I'm praying. But what are you thinking? Because at the end of the day, I want what you want. And I'm going to trust your wisdom and your judgment and your love and your care and your kindness and compassion. And so we see this example of Jesus praying. So what does this mean when we pray on a very practical level? Jesus said that when you pray, this is how you should pray. So how should we pray? Let your will be done. 
Let me just ask some questions, maybe as we finish this morning, that will help you think this through as you pray. And it's not that you say these words, remember? It's not that we recite the Lord's Prayer, we take these words. It's that we come with this spirit that says, okay, this is what I'm thinking. This is what my needs are. This is what's going on in my world, God. I'm going to bring them over to you, and you take it from here. And whatever you decide, I'm okay with that. So here's some questions. How much of your life is defined by pursuing God's will? Not by you know, finding some ledge to walk along, but where we look at every action, every day, every decision, and say, I want this to honor God. Because if we put that in our life on a practical level, just in how we live, don't you think it's going to show up in how we pray? If every day I get up and say, God, I want to do what pleases you today, well, then I pray that's going to be my prayer request too. As you, second question, as you evaluate what you're praying right now, so if you look at your prayer list, how much do they line up with what God values? Or do you have a whole bunch of things on there that are just about you and what you want? Third question, are you aware of how God might be using your prayers to change you? That's interesting, isn't it? If prayer is really about me becoming who God wants me to be, then God's, it's not that he's not interested in answering my prayer request, but he's, he's more interested in informing my character. But am I aware of that when I pray? Next question, as you pray, are you aware of steps that you might need to be taking? Because if there are steps that you can take, you need to be taking them. And if you're praying about something and there's an area of your life that's not matching up with what God's already said, then you need to be changing in that regard. Last question here. What promise or attribute of God can you step out on in faith? And maybe there is a need. And it's not that God's not interested in meeting your needs or unconcerned about your needs. In fact, we're going to go there next week. We shift from the God request to the me request in a sense. But as you look at that, is there something about God that would connect with what you're dealing with right now? And maybe there's an element of God or a a characteristic of God that he wants you to explore and even experience at this moment? These questions are all part of praying your will be done. We started this morning talking about the emergency prayer, which is what? All about me. The disciples came and said, Jesus, teach us to pray, and he gave what we gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. And that's really all about God. But when we pray the God request, may your name be revered. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. It sets us up for the personal request. But we have to start down the right path.